Why are you making hot tea on a very hot day? I thought it would wake me up. I thought I, I, I'm trying to wake up here. I want to be up and ready for this because I'm, I'm so happy that you're doing it. I'm happy to be doing it. I feel like we've had some good episodes and I'd hate to make a bad episode because I'm too sleepy to tell you my number five movie is Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I'm too sleepy to tell you that. <laughs> Actually, too sleepy not to. So we should probably that's, start. That's your, that's your number five? Well, you'll find out in the episode. We're going to have a lot of overlap. Wow, is that your five and your four? It's it's my five. Is it really? It really is my five. It was my four for a little while, and then I reconsidered, and it, it's my five. See, now I'm excited to do this episode, because <laughs> I want to hear why. And I would say, tell me now, but why don't we do the episode? Let's do it. And you can tell me then. Is that good? Mm-hmm. Hey, everyone ever, and welcome to 20th Century Pop, the show where we try to understand the present while living in the past. My name is Tim Blevins. And I am Bob Canning. We're back. We're doing this show and, and we're jumping right into it because I was so excited, as I'm sure people have heard because I'm sure it's what I used to open up the show with. That excited you, huh? That, that we have uh, similar taste in film from our childhood? We, that's, that's new news to you? <laughs> yeah, I was shocked to find out we have a commonality, a common bond. <laughs> In the pop culture of the 80s, and I'm curious if the 90s, but yeah. <laughs> so thrilled. So thrilled was today's topic, and and, and, and I'll tell you, and, or you can tell me or we'll tell the listeners uh, what today's topic is, because it's been the summer. It's been the heat of the summer for a couple months. It's actually pretty warm today. Here we are talking about weather. Cue radio call sign. But, um, you know, summer is wrapping up. We're getting we're at the end of August. September starts. September means back to school. If you have kids, it means get off my train if you're trying to get to work. Um, but, uh, but it also means the end of summer. And with the end of summer comes kind of the end of the string of uh, summer blockbusters, the kind of movies, the big movies, the movies that you hear about for a year and want to see. And then when summer hits, you know, both in and out of school, these are the movies that, at least as a kid growing up, I would rush out to see. Does that make sense? Is that a good explanation? Totally makes sense. Yeah. 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 The excitement of what's to come um, and and the fact that in the summer, it is generally the kind of movies that are big and extravagant and action-packed comedies and explosions all wrapped into one. And I was excited every fucking summer. Well, not every summer, but pretty early on from a pretty young age. I, I was excited whenever the summer was approaching because I, I knew it meant at least we were going to movies. I don't yeah. know if in like, yeah. How, how young were you? Because I don't think I associated summer with cool movies until I was older in middle school, you know, high school age. And it didn't really make a connection. I always connected the holidays. I always connected Christmas with, with big time movies because... I we always went to the movies the day after Christmas. Uh, my family. Oh, really? Yeah. So that was an easy association for me. But summer, less so for a while. Like not, not too early in my life did I connect that. Growing up, I think summer's just when we were taken to see movies. Really, like during the school year. You know, I guess once we hit middle school, maybe we did. But for the most part, to take you know, I have a brother, I have a sister, I have two parents. For all of us to to, to pile into a car. And find the time to go to the theater or to the drive-in, because my earliest memories, a lot of them are at the drive-in. Like, I remember going to see E.T. 
1982, the summer of 1982. I remember going to CET. We saw it at a drive-in. It was exciting. So summer, I knew school would be out. I knew we had a lot of free time, and that's just when we happened to go to the movie. So I think whenever it was that I realized summer is, in, is, a, is the time of blockbusters, and again, I don't know when I exactly I made that connection, I was already primed for it. You know, 1984, a year where I can remember a lot of summer movies coming out. I don't, I don't know if nine-year-old me was thinking, okay, this is the era of these movies coming out, but definitely resonated because that's when you see commercials. You're home more, see more TV, you're at the mall more, you see more posters. So summer just had this feel. There was always a lot of anticipation and excitement for me going into the summer because I didn't like being outside. I didn't like going to the beach. I didn't like playing in pools, but I loved going into darkened theaters and sitting in uncomfortable chairs with my feet on top of Necco wafers, watching something projected on a giant screen. So today I thought what we could do, and, and, and you think we can do, and we agree that this is what we'll do, mm-hmm. is we'll take a look back at the 80s, the 1980s, and each, each of us um, put together a list of the five summer blockbusters, five top five, counting back from five to one, summer blockbusters that we were excited for and saw in the theater um, in the 1980s. Is that the wording makes sense? Does that make makes some, complete uh, sense? sense? Yes. Yes, it does. Oh, good. That pause was to, to justify that. And and what I'm excited about, what I'm thrilled to start off with, number five, is the fact that I know, and now you know, and actually, listener, you probably know too. We have the same number five. We're we both do. excited for the same opening film. So well, why don't you tell us what it is on, on, the, on the top five summer blockbusters that you uh, were excited for and saw in the 1980s. Surely there's a way to lengthen that. What, what is your number five? Uh, number five, our number five tied between us <clears throat> is Who Framed Roger Rabbit, uh, which released in 1988, if I'm not mistaken. You're not mistaken. Can you back up from your microphone just a little? I shall. came in a little hot there. Well, I got very excited. Okay, good. And and nothing saying when you use that hot part, but you're very excited makes me think maybe I'll keep it in here now. (laughs) This is how a podcast goes together, everyone. (laughs) But yes, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? 1980. I would have been coming out of seventh grade, so would you, I think. And Mm -hmm. and what is it? Like, do you remember a buildup for this movie in the summer of 88? How did you, when did you first hear about or know about Roger Rabbit? I can't exactly pinpoint when I heard about it, um, but it was it had to have been a few months before at least. And just this idea, this excitement surrounding a live action movie combined with animation, combined with animation across all the history between Disney and Warner and and Betty Boop and goodness knows what else might be in there. Uh, was damn exciting for little old me to have all of those characters together in one place. It was really the first of this idea of a shared universe. Like we have so many movies now where it's like the Marvel movies and people are cross-pollinating those movies back and forth. And I'm sure there are other movies. I think like isn't um, – thinking of a movie that you like, isn't uh, – what's the George Clooney crime movie? 
out of sight. Doesn't that take place in the same world as as uh, Jackie Brown? Isn't there like it a does. shared relationship because they, of the character share, that passes? They through? share Michael Keaton's character. And so, I mean, this predates that, of course, and I'm sure the concept has been done before. It definitely has happened on TV. The Fonz would show up on Happy Days. Everybody lived inside the same elsewhere snow globe. But but Roger Rabbit was exciting because, I mean, like you, like you, I was a huge, or oh, I think you were, a huge animation fan. I loved animation. Yeah, I mean, I especially loved uh, Bugs Bunny, Tom and Jerry. Those were the two things I watched uh, as often as as I possibly could. The Warner Brothers cartoons uh, and and Tom and Jerry at that age were my favorite things in the world. And Tom and Jerry is not in this movie, I don't think. Uh, Droopy is. Droopy Dog is in it, but I don't think Tom and Jerry make it to this film. No, Droopy Dog is awesome too, by the way. I, I was quick to get my girls into Droopy Dog. As soon as I was like, they're ready to watch something on YouTube, cartoon-wise, I, we watched Tom and Jerry and we watched Droopy Dog. How did they respond? Because so, I don't see those cartoons aired as much on TV. How did they respond to watching like a Tom and Jerry or a Droopy Dog? Uh, they, they found it to be a laugh riot, Tim. They, they did? Just, yeah. Oh, my God. The funniest thing. When Droopy Dog, at near the end, goes up to somebody and says, you know what? That makes me mad. They thought that was hilarious. Do they continue to watch him? Do they seek they, him out on their own? They haven't. No, there was a period, and that's just been their life. There's a period where it's like all they want to do is Droopy Dog. Then all they want to do is The Odd Squad. Then all they want to do is, uh, what is it right now? It's Muppet movies right now. So it's. I'm sure they'll come back to it. They'll, they do that too. Um, but yeah, it was just a, a good month and a half, two months of Droopy Dog. Well, because I just, I remember these cartoons as always having been in my life. Like Looney Tunes, I would watch every day. They would be on after school, but they would also be on in the weekend. So I just watched those. Tom and Jerry is probably the earliest show I really remember watching. So to see that in a movie was interesting, but really seeing like Daffy Duck and Donald Duck dueling on pianos and, and seeing all these characters and, and doing this thing that I fucking love, which I could sit in the theater with my brother and my sister and point out who everybody was in the shot. Right. That was overwhelming to me. Right. That, that was really magical. Yeah, that was that was cool. And I, I was probably I was I was educated at this time too. I was educated by the lead up because just like you, you know. I knew of Disney, but I didn't see as much as Disney because they didn't have an afternoon show that I could watch. Um, in fact, I think by that time in my life, I had maybe only seen one uh, or two shorts. Uh, of, Disney shorts? Of, of Disney. Yeah. Like I know I saw this one where they were in uh, like a, a trailer, like a house trailer thing, a, a mobile home trailer going down a hill and, and crashing. That I have a very good memory of. And I had a, a pretty good memory of uh, Donald Duck and the Banditos short where, where he's with the parrots. <laughs> Three Caballeros? Is that yeah. what it's called? Yeah. But beyond that, maybe there was some goofy stuff here and there, but never, there never a lot. There was a lot of goofy stuff. Yeah, she, but I didn't, You didn't watch the didn't Sunday really Night Movie. Disney wasn't. Yeah. No, Disney Disney shorts weren't a big thing for me. Um, but like you're saying, the, the Warner stuff was, and Tom and Jerry was. So I got an education... I mean, I knew they were important, but I got an education on how important and how big a deal this was. That was what the stories were that I was watching on Entertainment Tonight, on how this was such a big deal to have these characters interact. And it was a, a lesson for me, and it was a, a really cool one to have. But but at the same time, I was also self-aware enough of the other cartoons and tropes and things 
that the fact that they were doing dueling pianos, I mean, that's a Tom and Jerry thing that I absolutely love when when uh, when they're playing the piano and, and, and uh, Jerry is living in the piano and they battle who's going to control who plays what song. And here they are taking that trope, which has been used in other cartoons as well, and putting Daffy Duck and Donald Duck doing that. Like they could have had them doing anything, but they're doing that. I mean, it was just really cool to to learn more and more and more about the history of animation and, and then see what they're doing with it in this movie. And it's a cool movie, too. It, it's a good movie. Does it still hold up? Like, have you gone back to it? We've or do you watched think it. About it. Yeah, I think it holds up. It holds up for me. Um, I went back and watched it with the girls. They've only watched it one time, and they they were afraid of it because I forget his character's name, but uh, a Judge Doom. Yeah, Judge Doom. He's a pretty <laughs> creepy, scary character. He yells a lot. He hurts the uh, the, the animated. Shoe. Yeah, the he's, animated he's, shoe. He's basically killing cartoon characters so they haven't wanted to go back to it uh, but they're getting older so i think they might at some point he is scary i mean that's one of the things that i think once i got to the movie kept me in the movie like i went to see this with my brother and my sister without parents and i think that's a big deal i think there's a few movies on this list that i went to without parents and that for some reason makes it more my experience did you but this is older brother did, did he drive was he able to drive you guys to the movies? In 1988, um, would he have? I don't know if he would have been able to. He did eventually. Eventually we had that. And that's how I saw stuff like Weekend at Bernie's and things like that. So was but it a parent day, drop off? I think my parents dropped us off. I, the memories that we were also doing clothing shopping and then maybe they dropped us off and did some more errands. But it was my brother, my sister and myself. And I loved it. My parents weren't there. And you know, because it's got swear words in it. And it's got boob and fart jokes in it and it's got this scary villain and kind of a film noir parody plot like it felt more adult it was these childhood things in a grittier setting and i don't know how gritty because it's still a kid's movie it was a disney no it's touchstone i think but it's there were there were toys stuffed animals the characters at disneyland like it was aimed at kids but it was that thing where it's stepping from tv to film and we'll see this with another one on my list later there's something more adult and mature and, and darker, even just a, a, a slight dial adjust of it being a little darker than what a kid would normally see. And I think that was when I was in the theater, that was really important to me because, yeah, Judge Doom is a scary villain. He's not just some ironically cartoony bad guy. He's got some grim angles to him. Like, do you remember that as a kid? Were you scared in the theater? Or were you impacted at all by Judge Doom and what th- this weird plot about stealing land? No, you know, I honestly, if I were to be honest, I don't think I fully got what the plot, like what his angle was. You know what I mean? The stealing land part, the freeway or whatever it was, didn't really... I wasn't fully aware of what that was all about. I was more just really enjoying the action, the mystery, and then going to Toontown. Uh, it just was that that part of it. And it made enough sense that I could follow that he was the bad guy and he was a, a cartoon and all that. And that um, His last name kind of gave some of that away. Gave some of that away. Yeah. Um, is it Doom? It is Doom. That's just Doom. I wasn't sure if there was something else to it. Uh, I, was, I wasn't sure if it was Judge Doom Smith. Um, <laughs> no, I think Doom is his last name, I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, like 
he didn't it didn't frighten me it didn't scare me like my girls were t- are terrified of the the goo that will melt a cartoon like that just horrified them that that even that is existed. a scary scene yeah and in the theater i probably had a hard time with it but that's the thing like this is a movie and i think it ha- it's it's interesting cuz i think it happens a lot now it's taking something i was you know we're still children watching it and it was taking these cartoons from our childhood that actually predate our childhood they're from the 30s the 40s and the 50s yeah and they're putting them in a slightly darker slightly more absurd self-aware setting i mean looney tune cartoons are always self-aware but there's something in Roger Rabbit that I wonder if that is in the minds of a lot of the people who go off and have to do all these reboots. You know, let's do Voltron, but we'll do it with more, you know, more intricate plot. Let's do, um, you know, any of the toy properties, but as darker versions of these toy properties. There's something about taking the things of childhood and putting them into this violent setting surrounding that I get now when I see it now, but as to see that as a kid, there was some weird stakes to that. And it was, it was just thrilling. I think that's, I think that, I think the craftsmanship and the animation of the movie is, is, is what I would go back to watch. But I think probably what lingers in my mind and what made this movie, str- like I never enjoyed Mary Poppins. I never enjoyed bed knobs and broomsticks. And those movies have animation interacting with human beings. Do you think I would love it? I don't. This movie had all that had characters I recognized, pre-existing characters, and had a dark edge. Do you remember the feeling when you left, what what it felt like to get out of the theater? I don't. Uh, there's other movies on this list that I definitely remember that feeling. I don't exactly remember the feeling. In fact, I, I, I have more memories of the lead up to it than, than afterwards. Uh, moving up the list, what's your number four? What's the fourth biggest summer blockbuster you were ever excited for and saw? There must be a way to abbreviate that. <laughs> uh, number four for me was released in 1995, and this is a movie that I do remember. 1995? Very, excuse me, 85. 85. Okay. Oh, I must be jumping through time as I'm talking about it, but it's Back to the Future. My number four is Back to the Future. Who brought you to that? My mother. My mother uh, did a lot of movie drop-offs. Not, well, not a lot, because I didn't see a lot of movies. But when I did see a movie, it was usually a drop-off. She dropped me off. I'd walk into the theater. I'd walk out, and her car would be sitting right there at the curb waiting for me. Were you by yourself? Going uh, by well, yourself? It was usually my brother. My brother and I. Okay. Sometimes another friend. Uh, not that often, though. Usually just my brother and I. Did you know it was coming out? Did you know what it was ahead of time? Um, yeah, I, I did. I remember the the ads for it and um, big Huey Lewis and the News fan. And they're <laughs> at that age, wait, uh, at ten. Yeah, well, my aunt was probably the bigger fan. My aunt had the albums that I was listening to, and so um, I I became a bigger fan for sure. But certainly, Power of Love was everywhere, and I loved it. It was out for about a month, I think, before the movie came out, so I was aware oh. of it. Um, so you went in knowing that song. Yeah, I went in knowing that song. Um, and then when I heard it in the movie, it was like, oh, my God, that's that song. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is so lame. I remember, and it must have been around this time because I was doing some research, one of the clearest memories I have of the lobby of this movie theater. So in Oneida, we had, for the longest time, just one movie theater with two screens. And I I can picture it as you walk in to the right of you, there's two movie posters and then the concession stand. No, 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 I'm sorry. And then the ticket, uh, actually it wasn't really a ticket thing. It was just a cash register where you'd get your tickets. And then as you keep moving in, there's the concessions. And then as you keep moving in, there's usually two video games and one pinball machine right there. 
and then the restrooms. So that's all, if you're walking straight in, that's all on the right side. And then on the left side are a few more movie posters and the door to the first theater. And then you walk past a few more movie th- uh, posters and a door to the next theater. And I remember the movie for Fletch, the poster for Fletch. Oh. And doing my research, it probably had to be when I went to see Back to the Future. But for some reason, the, that's the first time I saw the poster for Fletch was in that lobby. And something about that poster I just studied uh, for a while. It's the one where he's like holding up his wallet and there's a couple different IDs. Yeah, it's a Chevy down. Chase movie. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't have a visual of any other poster in that theater and I've gone there loads <laughs> and loads of times. Um, but that one always sticks with me. Um, yeah, and so it was uh, that theater where I got to see Back to the Future. What was it like to see it? Like, what did you think you were going to see when you walked in? Um, I was going to see a time travel movie that was funny. I knew it was a comedy. It was supposed to be a comedy. Um, more than that, I, I didn't really know. I didn't Did know time we- travel interest you at that point? Was that something? Um, no, that was probably my introduction to time travel. Definitely, I would say, my introduction to time travel. Um, and so, yeah, I, didn't, I don't know that I knew too much except, yes, I was familiar with Family Ties. It looked fun. It had the Huey Lewis song in it. And... My mom took me to see it that weekend. I don't even know if I asked to go see it. You know what I mean? Like I was aware of it and it was it was it was definitely something on my radar, but I can't tell you if I was asking to go see it, but I I do know that I was taken and dropped off. It was one of the drop-offs. And loved it. Of course, it was just so much fun. It was you know, I know Marty's like in high school, but in my mind, he was just a kid like me. What was I like 10? 10 11 maybe um and so i felt like he was my uh my my uh connection to the the story and um you talk about a feeling afterwards i was a buzz for weeks after seeing this movie and i was one of those kids that ran out and got myself a skateboard and was skateboarding as often as i could that the rest of that summer based on this movie i didn't know you even had that skill or a skateboard um, I did. I did two things. I got a skateboard, and I, I don't have that skill. I got a skateboard, but I never got a skill at it. But I did that, and uh, my brother and I also would try and build wooden scooters, like the one he tore apart. Okay, I thought you were gonna say, and I got an orange vest. <laughs> I didn't do that. Um, so yeah, that movie just got into my head and was just exciting, and and uh, it kind of drove me through the rest of that summer um with with just the idea of it and thinking about it and skateboarding and the song it was just a whole thing it's my number four the fourth movie that i was thrilled to see the blockbuster i couldn't wait for and we've we've talked about it on the show before in fact last year we talked um about the summer of 1989 and how um impactive that particular summer was on me and uh this movie my number four movie um, kind of encapsulates that a bit. Um, it was the first movie I ever saw on opening night. And um, that was part of the reason. I mean, I was already excited for it. But that idea of going to something opening night, that's not an experience I really have anymore, to be honest. And I see stuff on opening day, but I get tickets ahead of time. Like, I think it's been almost 10 years since I've waited in line for something. And that feeling, you know, that idea that we're going to the theater to wait in line just to see if we can get in. You know, the stress of that, 
I kind of forget that feeling. Like that is part of the anticipation of waiting amongst all these other people. What if I don't get in? What do we do? The first movie I got to do that with and experience that was the follow-up to, at the time, my favorite movie of all time, um, and a movie that I saw part of on the big screen, uh, Ghostbusters 2. Wow. Ghostbusters 2 is a movie that I was so fucking excited for. And again, I loved the first one. I tried to see it in the theater as a kid. I got scared, but then I, I got back to it, um, and it just became this movie for me. But I think a big thing was, like, I loved that movie. And for two years, I had that movie. And then in 1986... A cartoon came out, the real Ghostbusters cartoon, and that played on Saturdays, and it played five days a week, so actually six days a week, and and I dove into that. I loved that fucking show, because I loved ghosts, and I loved these characters, maybe not so much for the jokes they made, but because that this was their job. And so watching that cartoon on a daily dose of like syndication, you know, that that hit home the fact that I love this idea of Ghostbusters and it created more of this mythology of the Ghostbusters more so than the movie. You know, like I, I loved Bill Murray and I adored Dan Aykroyd and I thought they were great, but how I knew the Ghostbusters was, was became more and more this cartoon. Right. And Ghostbusters two as a movie, I think draws more from that cartoon than it does from the original movie. I mean, it, it's, it's basically, think that was their intent. I think it's all they could do at that point. So, yeah. I mean, Ghostbusters 2 is the plot of the first Ghostbusters again. Something I did not realize when I first saw it. You know, and, and Ghostbusters 2, it's the characters you know, but they're all slightly different. You know, they're all... Uh, Egon Spengler isn't stoic anymore. He actually makes jokes. And, and, and Ray Stance isn't smoking all the time. And then and, and Winston Zeddemore isn't standoffish to the rest of the group. And, and Peter Venkman doesn't have to worry about getting summoned to court for harassment. I mean, they're, they're different characters. They're, they're cartoon characters. And I get why people didn't like this movie if all they had was the original Ghostbusters. But I was the right age for Ghostbusters 2. I was the right age because much like we were just talking with Roger Rabbit uh, before we were talking about Back to the Future, I was approaching it as these are my cartoons brought back to the screen. So they could swear. I think there's one or two swears there. And they could be a little more lewd and a little more adult, but it was these cartoons again. And, and, and I loved it. And the fact that I got to have this experience of waiting in line with this anxiety, waiting in the theater with anxiety, with all these people talking in the trailers and all this stuff. Like, I love that overwhelming experience that particular time. I didn't realize that half the audience hated the movie. I didn't realize that diehard Saturday Night Live fans from the 70s hated the movie. I didn't realize that that movie got pulled from the theater after a couple of weeks and didn't do as well as they hoped. I didn't realize any of that because I was going to see not the sequel to Ghostbusters, but a continuation of this cartoon. And I think this happens a lot. I, I, I think franchises either get cut down from R to PG-13 or they lean a little to appeal to kids. Sure. And at that point... As a kid, that's great, you know? As a kid, here's the RoboCop movie I can see because it's yeah. PG-13. But, but, you know, as a fan of it, like if I was older and hadn't watched the cartoon, I probably, I mean, I don't care for Ghostbusters 2 anymore. I don't go back to it. But at that time, right. I was, t I was, it was the perfectly made, almost more than anything else on this list, it was the perfectly made, you know, I'm going to take that back. Just like everything on this <laughs> list. It was made of something that I was already into. So, of course... I was excited to see it. Yeah, I was there too. I saw it 
Um, I don't know if it was opening night, but I saw it in the theaters as well. I was excited about that one. Um, I knew it wasn't that great when I really when I was kid. when I was done watching. Yeah, well, I didn't know how not great it was compared to you know uh, what other people thought. I just wasn't. I was very excited for it uh, ahead of time. Um, I think I've mentioned the making of preview, whatever it was. Um, where they interviewed the cast, and I'll always remember Rick Moranis um, behind the scenes talking to the camera saying, this is so much fun. I love working with these guys. I could do this every week. Let's make it a TV show. Ghostbusters every Thursday night. And that, just him saying that was like, oh my God, are they going to do that? Because one of the actors said that they were going to do that. Are they going to do that? That'd be awesome. So I knew of the show, probably from the cartoon, like you're saying, more than the original movie. Um, and so it excited me, but then when I saw the movie, I was I was wholly disappointed. Never, I've never gone back to it since seeing it. Uh, maybe one, maybe one other time on cable I saw it, um, but yeah, it's it's never been a movie I've returned to. Might be worth doing in this show because I'm curious. It's not a good movie, but at the time, like I don't think I knew how to not like a movie <laughs> at 14. Sure, like there would, I'd be more excited for one than another. But you know, getting to the theater was always exciting. You know, I could be just as excited the following year seeing Problem Child <laughs> as I would have been seeing Gremlins 2, the new batch. So, yeah, this one's on the list, but not enjoyed anymore. Yeah. Um, let's let's move on. Let's, let's actually what's, go to what's, what's... What's your number three? We're to three, well, right? My, yeah, we're up to number three. Um, and my number three of summer blockbusters I was excited to see in the 1980s and did um, is also one that we've discussed a little bit. Actually, also one from 1989, and also a movie I saw without any parental authority. So there's a common theme. Um, on June 23rd of 1989. Okay. I know where I this is going. An, you do then, yeah. yeah. It, this, you know this... where I was going? I was going to an early afternoon <laughs> opening day screening oh, yeah? of Tim Burton's Batman. I saw it the night before. Yes, you and my brother both had different sneak previews. Yeah. He did not like it. <laughs> my brother he, is no fan of this movie. Oh, yeah? No, or wasn't at the time. I think Th- he's This is your number it. three, huh? Yeah. This, I, is, this is my number one. Oh, it is? This is my number one because of, of how we framed this conversation. This was probably the movie of this summer of, of, of the 80s that I knew about and longed for and was anticipating more than any movie I've ever anticipated up to that point. And I was, this was the first movie where I show up in a t-shirt with Batman on it. Yeah. You know, uh, and this is the first movie that I go to the night before. Oh, for the, the, the listeners, uh, understanding Bob sees all movies in a Batman t-shirt now. <laughs> this is true. It's, it's that joke sounded like one. I was having some brain problem as I was speaking, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so this this is my number one. It's it's not my favorite movie of my top five. It's I like it a lot still, um, but to fit the topic of the 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 blockbuster I was most looking forward to and got to see in the theater, this is my number one. Makes sense. I mean, I know that feeling of like this is finally here. I remember that sensation, and it's weird. This this is higher on the list than Ghostbusters because again, it more than Ghostbusters too, because I had had the cartoon and I had all the stuff. There was this feeling of, I'm finally seeing this. 
I mean, there was hype. There obviously there was T-shirt hype and and that insignia hype. And honestly, we'll never experience something like this again. I don't know. I think Star Wars. I think did I this did. I was first... going to say Star Wars. I, I've experienced similar situations. Now, whether I'll f- experience it again, like I did it with Star Wars, but I don't know if it'll ever happen again. Talking about like when the Force Awakens came out. Um. No, I'm talking about. I'm talking about uh, Phantom Menace and, and yeah, uh, yeah, like that excitement and anticipation. I think the results were different. I enjoyed Batman more, um, but that that anticipation was the same. And being in line and lining up, and then um, even the re-releases, uh, I, I it was just a great communal feeling to be in line because um, at the time. We wouldn't get in line for tickets. You could get tickets ahead of time, but you'd have to get in line for your seat. There wasn't assigned seating yet. So we would be getting in line uh, as a group with a bunch of friends because we wanted to get the best seats. Um, so I've had the experience since, uh, but this was the first time. This was the I first time. I guess maybe time. that's what I'm thinking. Like this set the, the scale of what that can feel like. Yeah, where you're talking to strangers in line. At least that's what I was doing. Oh, I just, hate doing that. Just talking about the excitement. Yeah. And I did the, the thing that you hate. I did the Watchmen thing. Um, I wasn't hugely into comic books. I didn't have a lot of access, but I made sure as Batman was coming out, um, we went out and got the the graphic novels that that were available at the time. My, my brother mostly got them, but the, there I was reading, you know, uh, uh, is it what's it called? Year One, and and the Dark Knight Returns. That was like a combo. Uh, wasn't there a combo of those Frank Miller stories at that time, or maybe yeah, not the, after. the collected works of Frank Miller, I believe it's called. Yeah, so. Um, so yeah, I was doing that, and they I have a Santa Claus story too—a Batman Christmas story in it. Also, I think it did. Yeah, uh, and so yeah, so I was doing all that uh, with my brother. Like that was one of the few things we shared as like a fandom. Um, so I didn't necessarily have to get the graphic novel because he had it, but we both were buying T-shirts and we both had posters. Um, so that was that was exciting. That was a, that was my big blockbuster movie of my youth. Would that be the ultimate summer movie in your mind then? For me, yeah. I mean, yeah, for me it was. I mean, it's number one on my list. So That's true. I mean, I'd have to go back and look at the 90s to see if I could be, my memory could be jogged to see if something was bigger in the 90s, but no. Reality bites, that's the fall. <laughs> but no, this was, this was huge. And we were alone. It was another drop off at night. So no, I, I'm just thrilled. Like I, the first midnight showing I ever saw was actually probably Batman Forever, yeah, or maybe Batman Returns. But I think Batman Forever, and that's exciting. Like those, like I could never do that now. I can't get to a movie at midnight. I tried it with Force <laughs> Awakens on a second viewing. I watched it at midnight on New Year's Day. But 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 I don't know. There is something about this memory. It's again, it's three on mine. But this this hype machine was working so hard for Batman. It was so thrilling. And back then, it didn't seem commercial to me. I know it is. But it was just exciting to be in that. And and I missed that in the summer. I felt it this past summer with Infinity War. There was definitely some excitement leading up to that. And because of how that movie hits the audience, there was a shared feeling in that theater of what that was like. It doesn't happen as much. It happened with The Force Awakens. Did not happen with Last Jedi, even though I love that movie. It's a rare feeling. This rare feeling of being caught up in a blockbuster has, has become rare to me anyways. But um, So I, I love what you're saying about Batman. It's number three on mine. What's, what's number three on yours? Number three on mine is from 1983. I think it's the earliest movie. 
uh, on my list. Um, so I was eight or nine, I think, maybe ten. No, nine. I must have been nine. Um, eight or nine for Return of the Jedi. That's my number one. That's, That's your funny. number one. Now, I I thought like. Like I put like as I was doing this, I renumbered these a few times because obviously Return of the Jedi is a, is a big deal, but I was kind of trying to put it in the context of the the '80s and and my excitement of each of these individual movies, and I just don't know if I was fully aware enough to be as excited as I was for Batman as I was for Return of the Jedi. I was totally into Star Wars, totally had the toys. I had seen the other movies. Uh, I I know that my mom I – I don't really remember it, but I know my mom took me to what, the re-releases for the other two. Um, but I was totally excited for this one. I, I knew it was coming. Um, I, I had McDonald's toys, you know, the Happy Meal glasses I think they were doing for Return of the Jedi or Burger King, whichever it was. Um, yeah, and so that's my number three, Return of the Jedi. I mean, it sounds like a lot of the, all these have similar reasons. I mean, it's – it's number one for me because this was the first one. You want to talk about anticipation and feeling like the buildup of a lifetime. Because, yeah, it's 1983. I'm, I'm six or seven years old. I'm seven years old. And I feel like this is the movie I've been waiting for all my life. You know, and there was just this, I just, I so vividly, vividly remember the buildup that Star Wars was coming because on the last day of school, I got a Return of the Jedi storybook with photos and I refused to look in it. It was the first time in my life I was trying to avoid spoilers because I had access to them. So I didn't look at the book, but I got some toys and I remember that. It was just this anticipation and we didn't see it in May or June. It was probably July or August before I finally saw what? it. But I so remember. Oh, wow. yeah, we, I mean, we didn't go to movies as much, but you also know, honestly, we weren't talking to people. I couldn't tell you when I saw it. I don't know if I saw it opening night or that month. So, I mean, I'm acting like I'm surprised. How dare you not see it until July? But I don't know when I saw it. I just know I saw it in the theater. It was huge, though. I mean, I remember that entire day. You know, I remember waking up. I remember playing with some toys in the morning. I remember go. it was the one summer I was taking tennis lessons. I remember going for tennis lessons and having to go to the mall. I remember I went to my dad and my brother. So I remember we parked the car in the parking lot. We walked to the theater. I remember all the motions, all the movements. And it's just, it was packed with kids. I mean, it was mostly kids at the showing. We sat in that theater for what seemed like an eternity waiting for the lights to go down. And I was just so exciting for the trumpet fanfare that would announce the beginning of it. And so exciting to see these characters. Because again, seven or eight, that's early in your life. But these things were so enmeshed in it. And like Empire Strikes Back was the first one I saw. I was and I was excited, but I was too young to really be like, it's out, we're going to see it. I just went with it to my brother and my dad. Star Wars I saw in a re-release after that, probably in 81 or 82. And that was exciting. I already knew the story and it was cool to see it on the big screen. This was new. And this was the biggest thing in my life, but it was new. So I there was no way I could fathom what it would be like to have this experience of new footage on the big screen. And it's just, it's odd to me that at seven, I thought this, I've been waiting forever for this. <laughs> you know, we, we, we wait longer for, you know, just, just, I, I can't think of an example, but like, that's not a long time. No. You know, there are things I said, I have to get a new pair of glasses. I've been meaning to get a new pair of glasses for three years. I haven't done it. No big deal. This was big. <laughs> this was fucking big. And I do feel like I can put it at number one because I think especially it was so formative to me. 
this idea. I mean, I think my love of going to the movies comes from this. I had seen other movies and I, and I like going to the movies, but I think just that experience sitting there, having so much fun second after second, playing the scenes over my head, looking over at my dad, who's also laughing at it, looking at my brother, who's enjoying it, hearing the crowd. Like I just loved being immersed in this fucking feeling. And I think I've been chasing that. You know, I think that's what I want. I still like going to Marvel movies in the theater when it's packed. I'm anxious before we get in there. I'm anxious because I'm nervous it's going to be like the last Jedi experience where half the theater was booing and that gets in the way. Oh. Um, but at the same time, just when it works, when it's on, when everyone is so excited for right. it, that's an amazing trick it of is. a feeling, applauding it, it and then crying and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wish I had been more self-aware. Uh, but for me at that time... I mean, it was still a very exciting movie, but it didn't, I, I still hadn't clicked with the movie going experience. You know, it was, it was awesome. And I went home and I replayed it out. You know, my brother and I got our blasters out, you know, which by the way, were just our thumb and fingers, but man, it was, uh, yeah, it was awesome. It's, it's number three on my list. What's number two? Number two on my list. And this flip flopped uh, with the number one a couple times as I was putting it together. But clearly number one for me was more about the experience and the lead up and and the shared experience and, and my brother and everything. Number two was more of a personal thing for me. Um, nobody else, I mean, there were probably people that were really excited for it, but I didn't talk to anybody about it. But for me, I anticipated this movie a lot and it was the same summer as Batman, a little earlier in the summer, uh, end of May. Uh, number two was Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. You're saying other people weren't excited for this movie? They weren't talking to me about it. Okay. You know what I mean? Like I didn't have – like with Batman, with, with Return of the Jedi, there was a world of people and you could just you know throw a pencil at school and somebody would want to talk about it. There weren't that many people that I knew that were talking about Indiana Jones. I was very excited about it. I went – I think my brother was there just because, again, it was just a, a family – Drop the boys off so mom can go have her drink or whatever she does. I have no idea. I really have no idea what she did when we were at the movie. Yeah, I don't know where parents go for that many amount of time. <laughs> or if they just sit there because they are there when you come out. Yeah, they're, so, they're yeah. always – they're never late. I've never had an experience where it's been late. They're always – my mom's silver Pontiac was always there. Have you uh, dropped your kids off at anything and left No, before? no, no. That has not happened. In fact, uh, just ironic that you even mentioned this. Today – was the very first day we let our oldest ride her bike by herself two and a half blocks away to to her friend's house. We stood, my wife and I stood in front of our house, watched her ride her bike all the way to the corner. We watched her decide when to cross the street. She had to wave a couple cars on. She, she didn't want to cross the street when the cars were still there. We watched her cross the street. She was out of our sight. We counted down the minutes until we expected that text from the mom to say she's there. And about eight minutes later, we got that text and we were like, okay, all's good. That happened today. So no, I have not dropped my kids off at the movies yet. Does that seem weird? Because how old is she? Uh, she's 10. You were seeing movies at 10, right? You yeah, I was seeing the them in a small town of Oneida. Um, and you were dropping someone off at a, at a movie theater where there was nothing else around. And the intent and the expectation was that the child would stay inside that movie theater and only come out when the movie was over and that the people inside 
know who works there and know our neighbors. It's a very small town, and there wasn't a worry that anything bad was going to happen to eight-year-old, nine-year-old, ten-year-old me. Um, I can't do that here. If I if I were to drop her if I were to drop her off at a movie theater here, first of all, there's twenty screens, and that means that there's that many more people in the theater. You know, and so also I can't just pull up to the crib. My mom literally was parked in front of the exit door when we exited. I would have to park at a garage, get off the elevator, go up the steps and, you know, wait through the crowd. So it's just a totally different experience here than it was in my hometown where you literally could open up the, the exit door and that's my mom's car. Right there. Blake Wobegon with a car. But do you think that's going to change or do you think that changes her relationship with some of this stuff then? Like when – because it sounds like for both of us – I know I haven't done the number two yet. I will in a minute. But like these movies, we're going to most of them without adults. And I think that's key in the development of how they feel. Return of the Jedi I saw with my dad. but Yeah, I saw Return of the Jedi with my mom. My mom was, Mm -hmm. was in the theater for that one. But there's, there is something about getting into these things and being excited for these things. And go, for me, anyways, going to it and it's a unique, not isolated, because again, I'm there with a friend, I'm there in the crowd, but I'm there as me. I'm not there as somebody's son. I guess I'm kind of there as someone's brother, but I'm just, I'm there. And I'm wondering, do you think how your kids develop connections to pop culture is different? Because just their access to it, like they can watch and it maybe it doesn't bother them. They can watch any movie they want on a smaller screen within months of it coming out. So maybe the big screen aspect of it doesn't matter as much. Um, That could very well be. I don't know that they've really made that that connection to a movie going experience. Do they ask to go to the movies ever? They like asked the summer. They asked to go see movies that are in the theater. They they went and saw the they and wanted to and asked to go see the Winnie the Pooh movie, the or Christopher mm-hmm. Robin. Um, oh. and they they asked to go see uh, Teen Titans go to the movies. Oh, did uh, you go see that? I did not. That was one that my uh, wife took them to. I regret that I was unable to go. Yeah, I would love to have seen that. Yeah. Uh, but they absolutely loved it, and they come home, and and their experience with it was telling me all the jokes. They they were sharing their favorite jokes with me, and mm-hmm. just to watch the joy in their eyes when they're trying to set it up and explain stuff. And what's cool is that they know that I know those characters, you know. Uh, so it's like there's a scene I guess in there with with Superman, and another one with with Batman. Even though those aren't the Teen Titans, they know that I know those characters, and so they talk to me about that. Um, and they think it's funny, and and uh, I think they referenced some Marvel characters, and they were talking to me about that, and they just they're like, you know these guys, Dad, let's let's talk about them. So, um, so they but are again, still excited for movies, like it's a yeah, big but, deal. but just, you know I, they're watching Teen Titans at the drop of a hat on you know streaming whenever they want to. They watch three in a row, so I don't know if it's separated for them that it's a different experience or if it's just a longer Teen Titans episode. I wonder that this actually really ties into my number two. Because <laughs> I, I would think that two? it would. Well, my number two movie on our list of five summer blockbusters we were excited for and wound up seeing. Um, my number two wasn't um, technically a blockbuster. Um, in fact, I remember a few years later in life, looking it up in a Leonard Maltin guide to movies <laughs> and seeing listed in capital letters right next to its title, 
the word bomb. <laughs> oh, no. But um, it was a movie. I, I was definitely anticipating this movie at this point of my life, which was age 10, which means 1986. And um, it's what I would have deemed as the movie made for me. That's what I felt at that time. And in regards okay. to what a summer blockbuster was supposed to be, um, it was also a spectacle. It, it was exciting. And it was loud. And it had big stakes. And, and, and it, 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 was blown, it was a blown-up version of something I loved on a big screen. Something that I could enjoy with like the cinematic passion that normally I watch daily just on a little TV dial. So, you know, I might be bending the rules a little here <laughs> to say this, but number two <laughs> on my list of five <laughs> favorite summer blockbusters of the 1980s that we also saw is Transformers the movie. Yes. I knew this was going to be on your list. I'm surprised it's not number one. Well, number one is Return of the Jedi because there was a lot cinematically going to it, and it was definitely a blockbuster. Uh, Transformers, the movie, played for like two weeks, maybe. It was not out for very long, but I had to see it in the theater. I saw the commercials on TV, and I had to see it. I remember first reading about this the year before in the, in the letters page of the comic book saying they were making a Transformers movie. In my mind, just going to what could it be? What will be in it? Like, I was just thrilled. There was all this buildup for it. And I saw it on a Tuesday afternoon. And I know this because the night before, during a rerun of Kate and Allie on CBS, is when these plans were made. <laughs> um, Pete Rival, Dave Wheaton, two kids from my youth that I guess we were all friends. They're who I went to see the first Ghostbusters with. Um, we were all, unfortunately, Cub Scouts as well. We, we Unfortunately? Were going to, yeah. I was a Cub Scout. That's not unfortunate. It's not a great organization. It's got some real issues to work out about male dominance and uh, gender fluidity. But the, fo the focus gotcha. on being a child. <laughs> yeah. You know, we were going to see this movie, you know. And it was the three of us. And their mom dropped us off again, dropping us off at the theater. But this time, and I don't know if my parents knew this, because I'm wondering if like you, if they would wonder. I remember it was Dave Wheaton's mom just kind of dropped us off near the theater. Because we walked a couple blocks to get to the theater. Then we walked past the theater to Do get remember, some candy. Was there a reason for that? Maybe there might have been, but, but we you just don't got remember. out. Yeah. Well, it's just like it was my first time wandering around the town next to ours, Willimannock. Sure. It was, the, you know, we went into a store to buy our candy. We're going to sneak candy in, keep it in your pocket so <laughs> they don't know it's there. Also, yeah. I bought a pack of Garbage Pail Kid movie cards because I thought, I'm out. I'm an adult. I'm going to get these. The only pack I ever had. Oh, anytime I was alone in a store like that, I would make sure I bought something that my mom wouldn't necessarily approve of. I guess that's what this feeling was. Because, again, yeah. I wasn't collecting Garbage Pail Kids. I was never a fan. But they were here at the Benny's, so I had to pick them up. <laughs> you know, and then we went back. We had money that our parents gave us. And after we bought the candy, we bought the tickets. I think we bought them ourselves. And we entered, and we went all the way into the back of the second-run portion of the theater. In one of the smaller theaters, you know, kind of next to the, I don't know, like a burnout husk of a concession <laughs> stand. Got it. And we went in. And we sat down, and I don't remember the trailers. I don't remember 
how crowded it was. I barely remember my other friends being there. All I remember is rising up off my seat from the very beginning because these characters that I loved, Optimus Prime, Starscream, Grimlock, Soundwave, Blaster, and new characters that I learned to love, Galvatron, Hot Rod, Cup, RC. I'm going to keep naming Blur. names. Uh, they, they were just, Blur, Cyclonus, Scourge, Devastator, Unicron. Like They were just huge characters. And they were up on the screen in an explosive adult story with swears, with death, with they left Earth almost right away and went to all these other planets, a kick-ass <laughs> rock score. And it was so much bigger. You're talking about your, your daughter's going to see Teen Titans Go. This movie was so much bigger than the TV show. Right. It existed in that same world. It, it was the story continuing, but it was huge. And it was like a conclusion to the story that I had been following, similar to Star Wars when I thought, and that's why Return of the Jedi is my number one. This is the story of my life. Transformers, by that point, I had been obsessed with Transformers for two years, thinking, talking, and playing with them every second I got. So to have this culmination on the big screen of this story in this theater by ourselves, yeah, this was the biggest next return of the jedi blockbuster <laughs> concept i could gather right and it's gotten a following since but i mean it disappeared off the dial but i didn't know that i didn't know movies were supposed to be financial hits or not i didn't know that people didn't go see this all i knew is that i was in there seeing this and i could not get enough of it i regretted not seeing it in the theater i knew of it i knew it existed um and I don't know, you probably can correct me if I'm wrong here, but like the following season of the Transformers was a continuation of the yeah. movie. And when I got it to was. the TV, yeah, when I got to the TV show, when I because I was watching the TV show. And so when those episodes started, I was like, what the hell is going, who are these people? What's going on? It kind of, you know, they did their best to cl clue you in, but I just was so lost that that was kind of where I sort of started not really caring if I missed an episode of Transformers. Oh, really? Because I loved it more than ever. Because now it was all connected. That movie, in my mind, connected everything. Yeah. Because of what that. you're saying. Oh, I loved it. I fucking loved it. I fucking love this movie. It's And I just couldn't get enough of it. But this experience, again, it's just it's repeating in this. And I'm seeing it now. The things that are big. Because there will always be things that are big to us. You mentioned The Last Crusade. I was thrilled to see The Last Crusade on the big screen. I couldn't believe I was seeing an Indiana Jones movie on the big screen. It's not on my list. But I was thrilled for it. Because of that, I think because I saw Indiana Jones on the big screen and I didn't see the other two uh, that way. Um, while I know Raiders is considered the the better movie um to me last crusade is my favorite indiana jones movie because there's a fucking experience behind it yes that's a, that's that's totally it i didn't have that experience with the other two no but you had it with the with the five you're listing i think making this list maybe it was apparent to you but i mean i'm realizing these movies like, none of these are actually my favorite movie. If I was to make a list of my five favorite movies, I don't think these are on them. You know? I mean, Empire Strikes Back tops Return of the Jedi in terms of what Star Wars movie I love the most. Ghostbusters 1, sure, but Ghostbusters 2, no. So what makes... Back to the Future might be might be in my top five. You know, it's not in my top ten, which is weird. That's Really? Weird wow. We'll talk about that sometime. But... I don't know. I guess this, you know, the idea of knowing what a movie is at any age, it's big. 
It's on a huge screen. It's loud. And it's something out of the norm. Because we didn't go to the movies every day. So the anticipation to see any movie was always so huge and so exciting. So when you add to that, here's the truck that is also a man that you like, or here's the lightsabers you enjoy, or here's a cape and cowl. When you add to that things I already knew that what they were, you know, all five of these movies were because there were things I was already into just getting a bigger screen treatment. That's true. That's true. And I don't think that's commercialism. I don't think it's bad. I know we're in an age right now where that dominates the cinema, pre-existing ideas being made as movies, but maybe this is why. You know, I find in them some solace of whatever it is I love is now for two hours bigger than anything in the world. And I love it. And I miss this feeling. I have it in smaller doses, but I don't have the all-encompassing, misremembered childhood excitement of the blockbuster. (laughs) Let down. I'm hoping, I'm hoping I get, I mean, it's going to be totally different. But there's, in a lot of ways, I hope I have um, my kids to sort of live through with some of these things. Because I'm, as you're talking about, it's like these are our existing characters and existing um, um, franchises that we are, we're anticipating the next chapter of. Um, I don't see that with, with the movies my girls are watching. I, that's not really what's happening. It's, it's an introduction even if it is like Christopher Robin, that's still well. Actually, no, that's not true. They're, they they have a hint of Winnie the Pooh. They have a hint of the Teen Titans. They have a hint of these things. Um, but I do. I I look forward to those moments where we can really both, as a family, as as a father and daughter daughters, uh, anticipate going to the movies together. I mean, this is still an era where going to the theater is unobtainable. You know, in my mind without parents. So to go without parents means what, what the fuck? How did I get here? This is amazing. I'm in this environment. The movie theater is an environment and I love it. I loved it then. I, I still love it. I wish it was as magical. Sometimes I wish it was as trashy looking as it used to look with the uncomfortable seats, the peeling stuff on the wall, the grossness of how the posters are hung, the not great projection. Obviously I don't because I love the crisp projection that $20 buys you. But there was something about still, it's like, it's a shit box that we're sitting in, but it's air conditioned and it's got Monster Squad playing. It's got La Bamba playing. It's got Masters of the Universe playing. It's got whatever is on that big screen. Godzilla 85. Sorry you didn't get to see that. (laughs) You know what? Neither did I. But that's what I'm saying. I'm sorry you didn't get to see that. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, okay. I'm fine not seeing Godzilla 1985. I do. (laughs) And listeners, you can hear the story. I forget on what episode now. I'll do some <laughs> research. But yeah, I think summer blockbusters of the 80s, I'll never have an experience like these five movies again because I know too much of how the world works or I know what a movie is or I'm just older. And you don't get this when you're older, you know? Yeah. My favorite things of all time are from the past. It's very hard for me to name something that came out last year that's my favorite. And yet... It's pretty difficult I- to name something you love from the future too. It's hard. That's a hard one. I mean, I've got a few things on my mind, but I don't I don't know. I don't know if the Vivian girls are going to break up and I'll do three solo albums. I really don't. Uh, <laughs> you have anything you want to add about Blockbusters, Summer, uh, Vivian girls? Uh, not, too, not too much to add. Um, I, I suddenly, after talking about all of these, 
of all of them, I kind of want to see The Last Crusade again. I know yeah. it was only my number two, but I haven't seen it in a while. Well, let's do that. Let's do that on an episode within the month. Because I'd be, I'd be happy to see it again. I haven't seen yeah. it in a while. We'll do, uh, listen up, listeners. Not next week. Or what about next week? No, probably not next week, but sometime soon. We'll surprise <laughs> we'll do, uh We'll do a Last Crusade, because yeah, I'd love to go back to that. And then I'd like to hear how it hits you. I know that I'm seeing Transformers the movie on the big screen again. It's coming for a one-night-only screening in September nationwide. And I got tickets the day they went on sale. So I'm excited for that. That's awesome. I'm curious to what it's going to feel I'm like. I'm excited be, uh, for you. I am pretty excited. Pretty that is, fucking excited. Your love of that movie is is no secret. Um, really? So, yeah. Oh, no, no. <laughs> really? <laughs> really, Tim. Really. Uh, so I'm, I'm very excited that that's going out and that you get to go and see it. Great. Things neither one of us had any hand in making are the best things in the world. And if you like hearing us talk about the best things in the world, why not follow us at 20popcast.com. That's a website. If you go to that, this is the end of the show, by the way. Got it. Was that, was that clear? That was clear. Very yeah. clear. Wrap up. Um, wrapping it up, people. If you like the show and you want to hear the show, more of the show, old episodes of the show, maybe you want to subscribe to the show or support the show, go to 20popcast.com. That's the main uh, website. You might be there already for 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 this show. You'll always find the newest episodes streaming there, links to all of our past episodes, but most important, you'll find ways to subscribe to the show so you can get a new episode every week, be it on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, Fourth Name, any of those is a way you can hear the show so check it out um, please it helps us out a lot if you are enjoying the show if you subscribe to it if you have a way of leaving a review like on Apple Podcasts or something I know it's a couple extra minutes but please do so that helps us out yeah I can't uh, you, keep writing you, this the reviews and an anonymous reviews over and over again we need some new new people to do that and yours have issues with the show so yeah, you know they're honest at least they're honest yeah. But uh, what else can you do? You can follow us on Twitter at 20popcast. You can follow us on Instagram at 20popcast. And I think you can find us on Facebook at 20th Century Pop. They can. That's a fact. They can do that. And while you're there, you can go back to Twitter and follow me at Subcultist. Bob, you plug yourself because I'm running Uh, out of steam. Follow all those things, and you can follow my individual personal uh, account on Twitter at RH Canning. Um, so you can keep up on, on the things I'm doing. Uh, so thanks for listening and reach out. Let us know you're there and let us know if there's anything you want us to talk about. Let us know your favorite summer blockbusters, uh, what you were anticipating more than anything and finally got to see it in the theaters. Was it disappointing or was it everything you hoped it would be? Kind of like this show, everyone. Thank you, Bob. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll be back next week, probably with something for going back to school because it will be September. Uh, but for now, thank you, of course, for listening. And Bob, maybe next episode we'll explain this catchphrase because nobody knows where it comes from. But for now, why don't you say the catchphrase and give people a reason to tune back in uh, next week. Toot! Another take of yeah, I'm gonna do another take of that because that was okay. a little. What, what do you think was wrong with that one? Well, it was it had kind of a it sounded flat. It was a little too flat. I don't think there's a way to do a curvy one of these. I don't yeah, think there's well, a shapely no, no. two. This is a sharp. I think we can do it a little sharp. Let me see if I can try. Do it sharp. Do, yeah, do you need see. a lead in? You're probably good. No, no, no. Just just a little blank space. 
toot! See, that was, that was a happier sounding toot. So, oh, it was. I guess, do you want to do one more? Do you want to do one for safety? Sure, we'll do one more. Toot. Yeah, yeah that's good. That's pretty good. Yeah. Honestly, I don't think people know where that's from. No, no one I should do. know. I don't think they should uh, Ever? I, Ever. You want to explain it, but I don't think they I don't think they need to know. You know what we'll do? We'll do explain one of those. This part that nobody listens to, so no one we'll, ever hears it. We'll that. do one of those old school, old timey internet scavenger hunts where they can go into the show notes, find something toot related, and click on that that takes them to something else that kind of will clue them in, and maybe it's a, a splash page of something and they can read through the whole thing and oh there's the toot. Oh my goodness. And- and who will put this together? Who's going to put this together? Not me. Not me. Okay. All right. So I've got things to do. 